Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. I'm Dana Zook. Today, I'm back with Dr. Beck. I promised you a second episode to follow up with his beef on dairy research. That's what we're calling it. Dr. Paul Beck is a professor in the Department of Animal Sciences and a beef extension specialist. Welcome back for the second week, Paul. All right. Thank you very yeah. much. This has been great. Yeah. So we had a great discussion kind of to set the stage talking about how the dairy industry has really transitioned some of their steer production, calf production into using some beef genetics. Um, Paul and his group here at Oklahoma State University is studying how the best way, in my opinion, the best way to produce these animals, they're dairy beef cross animals, and we're bringing them in to the feed yard in different kind of stages. So Paul, why don't we, why don't we talk about in the previous episode, talking about how when we bring these dairy cross calves in the feed yard, they're calf feds is what we're referring to. So when you talk about calf feds, that's compared to maybe calf feds in the beef industry and yearlings in the beef industry. So let's just kind of set the stage and talk about that for a minute before we dive into your research. So yeah, the research we've been doing on what we're calling a calf fed, Mm -hmm. uh, those cattle are coming directly from the calf ranch where they, you know, started on a uh, milk replacer and, and a, a starter grower diet till they're about 90 days of age. And then we would take those calves in weighing about 250 to uh, 300 pounds. So the average was right at 280 pounds. And then put them through our grower and feeder operation at OSU at the Spark Center. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, as I said last time, the, the diets, you know, we didn't bring them right up on, on, uh, feed really rapidly. We did our traditional receiving diet and then put them on a, a fairly high protein, uh, moderate roughage grower diet, 55 uh, megacal NEG mm-hmm. type diet, uh, right at uh, 20% crude protein on dry matter basis because their protein requirements are so high whenever they're that small. And we fed them that diet uh, on full feed until you know they weighed uh, right at 700 pounds. And then started them on uh, a more high concentrate finisher diet. But instead of the, you know, our normal finisher diets, 8% roughage, uh, we fed them for 80 to 100 days at, a, at about a 12% roughage diet. And then moved them up to our traditional finishing diet for the last 80 to 100 days. So the, the whole finishing period for these cattle was about 310 to, to 320 days. Okay. You know, they weighed about 1,360 pounds on the average when we sent them to the packing plant. Very high quality carcasses, really good efficiency, I felt like on these cattle. Uh, mm-hmm. Average gains, even going from those real lightweights, were comparable to what we'd see with, with a beef calf, you know, right at, you know, 3.6 pounds per day okay. uh, through the finishing period. Interesting. So, Paul got me up to speed on this to make sure I knew what I was talking about before we got back to record. And we're talking about a calf fed, their dairy cross calf fed calf starts 250 to 300 pounds where in the beef industry, we typically refer to the calf feds at 500 pounds after weaning. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you look back on the, on the beef industry, there's going to be very few 200 pound calves right. going yeah. into the feed yard that most of the cattle in beef production will be weaned at 240 days of mm-hmm. age um, and then you know they'll weigh 450 to you know 600 pounds for the most part and if we're going to feed a calf they're going to start after that traditional weaning period we uh, most of the time or a lot of time those lighter 
uh, weaned calves will go through a stalker phase or a, a, a growing period in a, in a dry lot before hitting the feedlot with their higher finishing, higher concentrate finishing diets. So typically, and in the feed yard, we do take in a lot of yearling cattle, 700 pounds, 700, you know, 800 pounds, and, and that's a different type of kind of finishing. So that's just kind of give listeners kind of a background on that. So Paul, tell me a little bit about your research. Um, the initial research was we just wanted to see what these light calves could do. There's not been a lot of research in this recently, but there's been a lot of interest in this uh, since these big transition in, in how these cattle are produced at, by the dairies. The other aspect we wanted to look at was to see if putting them on a grower program you know, as a stalker calf out on pasture, see how that would impact their performance uh, as a uh, finishing calf. So um, one of the unique things I feel like we have in Oklahoma is we've got, uh, uh, we're kind of the transition zone from in a, in a lot of different things, we're transitioning from humid east to to drier west. We're also transitioning from predominantly cow calf in the southeast through finishing and stalker into the west. So we've got a, a wide variety of different production systems happening in this state. So to me, the stalker uh, industry would be a, an ideal way to grow some of these lighter weight calves because we have you know pretty good quality, you know, summer grasses, very good quality uh, winter, you know, mm -hmm. pastures as far as wheat pasture. And so it just seems to fit within our region to try to put these calves out on, on grass, uh, develop them a little bit, let them gain a little bit of toughness uh, okay. along with age before we put them through finishing. So that was another uh, major part of this research is not only look at what those calves will do as calf feds, but mm -hmm. to, to expand that and look at a different type of production system for those cattle. That's really neat. Okay, so tell us, so let's look at the um, kind of what those calves did as calf feds, um, depending on the seasonality. So in the way we were getting those calves in, it was occurring throughout the year. We were get discrete groups as they were finishing it up with the research that was being conducted at uh, the Purina Land O'Lakes facility in Missouri, and then they would ship us to them uh, about every three or four months. Okay. So we started looking at uh, how those cattle came to us, the, the different factors that would influence their performance. And one of the things that came up was when we got those calves in in the fall, winter, or spring, more thermoneutral to colder time frames, the uh, performance was different than if we got those cattle in during, you know, hotter periods. Okay. And when, you know, they were going through a similar time frame up on the calf ranch phase or the milk and, and starter phase. And when they came to us, when it was hotter, they were lighter. They didn't perform as well um, in the milk replacer and starter period. And then they were harder to start on feed they didn't perform as well through the, the starter and, and grower period in our, our production system compared to those cattle that came in when it was cooler. It's kind of obvious these calves are not the most resilient animals in the world. Uh, right. You know, if you've ever dealt with a dairy calf, you, you kind of know that. When, when those cattle that came in when it was really hot, they didn't perform, you know, exceptionally well. But then when it cooled off, man, they'd start eating a lot more and they'd just start really performing great. Okay. 
Um, and that would get us through until nearly finishing. Okay. And, you know, we're feeding them almost a year. So by the time they're getting on that final finishing diet, it was already hot again, um, moving into, you know, hotter, humid, you know, climates, you know, here in Oklahoma in the uh, late spring, early summer, and, and their performance suffered again. Okay. So uh, very seasonal as far as their performance. Uh, we, um, so you have kind of a summer versus a winter, yeah. fall, spring, fall, winter, spring group. So two yeah. separate groups. Yeah. And so this, how did that summer group compare? So, uh, for instance, when you were looking at the overall finishing performance, the the calves that came in during the fall winter and spring you know they gained on average about 3.6 pounds a day okay throughout the whole finishing period the other calves that came in during the summer only gained about 3.4 pounds a day which okay. is not a huge difference but over a 310 day finishing period that equated to uh, about a 40 pound difference in slaughter weight okay and uh same difference in hot carcass weight so okay. About forty pound difference in hot carcass weight. The uh, back back fat thickness was a little bit less, um, as you'd expect. Mm -hmm. We probably should have put more days on feed on those uh, summer calves, but we wanted to compare that on yeah. equal number of days on feed. Gain to feed, especially during our uh, hotter periods of time, was was a lot less for those cattle during the summer. Gain to feed is the efficiency, so that's pretty important. Yeah. Um, what I thought was interesting was the marbling. Marbling did not statistically differ, okay. but it was still 20 units less. Okay. And, okay. Uh, in those summer calves. Yeah. So that equated to a, a slight difference in carcass quality. Okay. So interesting. So we're really just basically not as thrifty and yeah. can't handle maybe some of the environmental factors as yeah. well as uh, a beef animal. Shade, you know, different cooling methods are, is very important okay uh, for those for these calves okay so you know jumping ahead now you're looking at incorporating maybe a, an actual Oklahoma traditional growing yeah. phase that's what I would call it to help kind of maybe adapt those calves along so how well did these beef dairy crosses do with a traditional grazing phase is yeah. what I would so say because we we're getting these calves in different times of the year we would bring them in, we'd get them started for a, a week or two uh, in at the Spark Center on, on our starter rations. And then we'd try to put them out on grass on, on whatever's appropriate for the time period. Okay. Uh, if they came in in uh, late May, uh, there was a few sets that we started on either a, a really nice native range pasture or Bermuda grass pasture. As the season progressed, we'd move them to crabgrass or or a cover crop type blend on on a crop field. If they came in during the fall, it was really you know the obvious we put them out on wheat pasture. Ideal, yes. You know. uh -huh. uh, one thing we found, uh, and I mentioned it earlier, these cattle are raised in by themselves in a in a single calf hutch or moved into a a, a group a super hutch, which is three or four calves. So they're not used to being herded together. And uh, one, one thing we found out very early on is if we, you know, these cattle are long weaned, so you wouldn't mm -hmm. expect to have to run them through a receiving program. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if we turned them out on a hundred acre pasture, they would just scatter and they don't understand fences. They don't, un you know, understand yeah. grouping. One of the cattle managers said, you know, they're, 
not just stupid, they're also ignorant <laughs> because they just don't know anything. Right. Every, every experience is a new experience and they'll right. chew on uh, lick or walk through everything. Okay. And, um, like a new baby, yeah. <laughs> a toddler. <laughs> you know, and it's and to me, if you get a load of uh, 280 pound um southeastern calves and turned them right out right it'd be the train wreck too okay they'll walk up to a feed trough fall in it turn upside down and you know not be able to get back up and okay. you know all those kind of things okay. so we found out fairly quickly after <laughs> <laughs> some initial uh, train wreck but you need to bring them in put them in a, a group get them used to being in a group get them used to coming up to supplement Okay. Get them used, and 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 they will come to feed really easily if they're in a, you know, a, a regular dry lot pen like a receiving pen. Right. They don't know what hay is before this, so you have a bale of hay there with them. Okay. To get them to graze is not that big of an issue. They'll they love to just eat on anything green. Their okay. selectivity is abnormal because they don't know what what okay. they have don't have a maternal influence to show them what's right. good grazing versus not. So they'll mm -hmm. just eat everything until they, you know, learn something different, which is not altogether bad, especially mm -hmm. if you have them on a crabgrass pasture or, or wheat pasture. Right. And, and um, there, there's some issues in getting them started, but once they're started, they, they do graze and perform really well. We, okay. you know, had those calves uh, we would put out, you know, at that, you know, nearly 300 pounds, We'd get them up to right at 700 pounds, and they'd gain a pound and three quarter, two pounds a day <clears throat> on just regular, you know, forage pr production. We, yeah. It was not a, right. a, anything special to, to where they went. Yeah, but you're, it's a growing situation. We're yeah. not, we're, we're growing. We don't really need five pounds a day or anything like that. But then you put them in the feed yard, right? Yeah, and we'd start them more like a normal finishing operation we would okay <clears throat> there are shorter days on feed and in, instead of the you know 310 days or 312 days i think was the average on the the starter calves right. mm -hmm. you know we we're looking at 190 days on feed okay i'd mentioned earlier that regular calf feds the or the finishing going straight to finishing those calves consumed about 22 pounds of, of dry matter a day Okay. going from 280 up to 1360 pounds mm -hmm. the yearling feds or the or the grow finishing mm -hmm. program calves they consumed about 26 pounds a day so even more even more and it's about 30 percent more 25 30 percent more than what we'd expect with some native beef cattle that okay. we we're finishing at the spark center at the oh, same man. time or if you look at any of the benchmarks that mm -hmm. you know there's put out by uh different feeding organizations they they really eat a lot of feed mm -hmm. and you know liver abscesses like we talked about last time uh is an issue been been identified as an issue and there's different places where we feel like this may be happening it may be happening at the dairy when they're born and not getting adequate colostrum it may be occurring in the calf ranch uh, where they may not be getting fed uh adequately uh, may be happening in the the you know grower system if they're put directly into a, a, a growing lot, where if they're fed too aggressively, and it could occur during their finishing because if they're eating thirty percent more than normal, right, and you're not real careful on your feed calls or you have one just overconsume, mm -hmm. uh, it can it can lead to problems too. So, right. 
you know, there's everybody's pointing at each other on the liver abscess right. thing, but it could happen anywhere you, yeah. just because of the nature of this this animal. But on those yearling calves, uh, they gained on the average four and a quarter pounds a day. On the ones that went into the kind of grazing system. On the on the grazing system. Yeah. Calves. Okay. After so, they went into the finishing diet, they gained. Four. four and a quarter pounds a day. Wow. So four and a quarter pounds a day. That's a lot. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. Uh, that's about a half a pound better than a lot of our uh, just native beef cattle. If you look at the overall okay. uh, average coming out of, of feedlots, mm -hmm. you know, they're averaging about three, six or three, seven. So uh, real good performance on those cattle. And, you know, they're they're big, they're framey. They got a lot of gut mass. They're eating a lot. Mm -hmm. So their efficiency isn't any different than a beef calf but they're they're gaining well okay um we had uh on the cattle that went directly on feed uh they're younger mm -hmm. uh they were about 80 percent choice okay large number of those were prime and uh high choice or or cab eligible okay or or would be cab eligible um not supposed to be any dairy uh influence calves oh, going okay. into the cab I forgot program. about that yeah. but uh uh, yearlings, or, or what I'm calling yearlings, they, they went out on grass first okay. and come back in. Right. They're about 95% choice. Okay. And uh, we had one set uh, I was particularly proud of. They were 100% uh, choice or better, 40% uh, prime, Okay. 50% uh, uh, moderate choice to, and greater, and only 10% uh, low choice. Wow. Very good quality carcass. That was an exceptional set of calves. They gained well. There was no illness, you know, sickness okay. problems and all that. But, you know, they came in at the right time. They went out on, on grass and then they came back on feed at the right time and, and really performed well. So these can be, there can be an excellent addition to our current beef herd in the U.S. Like it's from as a finishing standpoint, but they take... Maybe kid gloves is what you would say to we're going we're gonna to have to grow them a little bit different, grow them and finish them a little bit different than we would a conventional beef animal, it sounds like. Yeah, it's um, I don't know that they take more management than a normal calf. They take different management, different management. That's good. Um, we're not seeing, you know, like a, a native beef calf just unweaned coming out of a cell barn. We're not seeing those type of BRD oh, good. respiratory numbers. OK. Uh, it's just other issues that yeah. come up. So if we're bringing in a bunch of, you know, unweaned, un uncared for beef calves, we're going to have problems if we don't manage them right. They're mm -hmm. going to take quite a bit of management to get them started on feed, okay. get them through this, the sweat as far as the respiratory disease and those kind of issues. I don't think we're going to see those same problems with these dairy calves, but we'll see other problems so, right and that different and, behavioral type things it oh, sounds yeah, like behaviors yeah. uh just i, I was going to say atrocious but behavior is is just weird are they are they kind of like puppies like are they all just like really are like calm yeah very calm okay um too calm like to move them like they don't know how to move yeah we we used uh some beef on dairy calves to help uh work with some new county agents as oh, far yeah. as animal handling okay. and 
it was kind of a mean trick ah. on the new agents because <laughs> you know they're they're using all the stuff they learned growing up and moving a calf and all that and they just they w- wouldn't move they wouldn't move that's and, funny and you know just to see how aggravated you know somebody gets yeah that's interesting <laughs> yeah. okay i was wondering if they would be like that a little bit different behavior so this is excellent information paul thank you so much for sharing i'm sure we'll hear more about it because you're going to continue some of this research is that right yes we're um and I mean, it's the whole industry. There's there's a lot of interest in this. So mm-hmm. there are other groups, uh, large research uh, emphasis on this coming out of Penn State. OK. West Texas A&M is doing a lot of research in this Texas Tech. Uh, so we're, we're not the only ones working in this area. Yeah. Uh, and so there's you're going to hear a lot more about this uh, coming out in the future. Just so many things with the, with the progression of the genetics and and reproductive technology. So many cool new things that we can do. Yeah. So, yeah. well, thanks for joining me, Paul. Uh, listeners, we will have all your information in the show notes, maybe some research kind of summaries from Paul's group here in animal science. And just to talk more about this, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know if you enjoyed it. Hope you have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next time.